Welcome to the ESP PPE podcast, Proper Project Expectations. Just a quick setup or reminder of what we're doing here. This is our 2023 summer series covering selling under NEM3, working in solar in California, and why it's still the best place to sell solar in the country if you know how. We're all about learn, then earn, whether you're fresh to the industry or a sun-baked seasoned pro. In this podcast series, we'll go through the course of a project from some pre-sale topics all the way to final system activation. Don't take anything we say as gospel. Just try it on and see if you like it. Here we go. Welcome to the Energy Service Partners Proper Project Expectations Podcast. I'm your host, Danny O'Malley. We've got Andy Schwartz in the saddle. What's happening, party people? We've also got Brandon Barton back again. Hey, guys. How you doing? And starring a new addition for our very special design episode, we have Scott Bayardo. Hey, good morning, beautiful people. Happy to be here. Thanks for being on it with us. So we are going to talk about everything that goes into design today and how you as a salesperson can set up the proper expectations and know what goes into it, what goes into a good design, what comes out the other end, how quick it takes, how you can help make it the smoothest process and set the best experience up for your homeowner. Let's take it away. I think the top of everybody's mind is NEM3. How does the new environment and and kind of the new restrictions or guidelines or what have you, how does that play into how difficult it is to design in this new environment, Scott? Yeah, thank you for asking that, Danny. Um, essentially, NEM 3.0 has just opened our eyes to what's already out there. As you may already know, we already had this with Hawaii. Hawaii is a 0% export, meaning that you cannot backfeed anything going back to the grid, which means if you want to have a large PV system, you have to have a large battery backup system to be able to capture all that energy, not export it. So it's something that's been around, around for a long time. It's just now coming to California. We have a lot going on, but we know where we're at and, and we know how to get there. So one of the things that I would say, nothing has really changed much. Don't only thing is we're doing it in California now, right? As we already know, there's a lot of manufacturers that are preparing for this and are already equipped for it. So all the changes are already in line. All the certifications are already ready. All the training from the manufacturers are already available. All we got to do is take advantage of all the information that's out there. So as you already know, all you got to remember is that there's different times uh, of the day that you can sell power back. So it, it, it benefits you more to store that power that you're using instead of selling it back, which is the same concept as you have in Hawaii. Hopefully that uh, gives you a little bit of insight. Absolutely. You you touched on something. Uh, we can tangent off on this a little bit. Manufacturers being prepared. I think that there was in the past a, a lot of uh, concern, especially, you know, post COVID or even, you know, during COVID of all the supply chain issues and everything out of the manufacturers that we've partnered with. Are there any of them that you're concerned about being able to source the goods for to be able to just plug in what we No, definitely not. Being that we do offer various models, be it DC coupled and AC couple systems. I feel like we have a versatility to be able to offer to the customer where you're not just sitting there saying, hey, I only can offer you this. No, I can offer you this or I can offer you this depending on your situation or depending on your existing parameters, existing equipment. But all of these manufacturers, depending on which one you're talking about, have looked into the details of, of, of merging with existing equipment and or being able to uh, capitalize on the NEM 3.0 changes. So one thing 
you have to remember, these guys are big players and they want to be around here for a long time. So long as we follow suit, we take their, their advice, we follow their guidelines, we should have nothing to worry about. Perfect. No, that's awesome. No, no worries about like, oh yeah, we'll get you a battery, but you're on a six month or 12 month waiting list or any of that stuff, right? We have versatility, so if, there's no worry of that. But if there ever is a worry, you have another uh, manufacturer with similar concepts, similar products, similar ratings that you can go to. But for the most part, we have talked to the uh, manufacturers and we have made an agreement and say, hey, we have this pipeline coming in. What do you guys think? Can you supply this? And they say 100%. We have more than what you need. We have it at this warehouse. We have it at that warehouse. So there's really nothing to worry about is getting the equipment. What you got to worry about is more selling it correctly. Make sure you're giving the customer the best bang for the buck, making sure that they get the best customer experience. And I think if you focus on that part, let the other part for us and everything will be smooth. Andy, did you have something to chat? Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's a really important thing to touch on because procurement is what, you know, what we call that when we're looking for panels or we're looking for inverters or we're looking for batteries. And, you know, a lot of questions have come up over the past couple months of like, well, are you going to have enough batteries? And the answer is yes. The manufacturers have been preparing for this moment um, in California their whole lives. They're very excited about it. <laughs> um, they've been waiting to sell batteries in California because for the most part, you know, up until a couple months ago, we didn't necessarily need to add them and they were kind of expensive and the net metering rules didn't require it in order for solar to make all the sense in the world. Um, and now that it does, they're prepared. They've got warehouses full of this. We've been asking the same questions, just like Scott said. Do you have them? If we, you know, if we need a thousand of them next month, are you going to be prepared for this? And the answer is yes, they're ready. And who knows? Let's, you know, see what happens over the course of the next six months and battery usage. But it'll be interesting to see what kind of procurement issues, if any, even come up at all. Um, we might just be ready to go and batteries will be able to be installed in no time, just like regular PV solar. That was what I was going to ask next, actually. So, Scott, from the from the actual like design standpoint, is there a huge difference between PV and self-consumption battery system? What's the from from you guys's uh, workflow? What does that look like? Absolutely. So self-consumption is fairly similar to PV. There's really no major changes, no major obstacles. The only one thing you have to consider is where you're going to place the battery. So if you're going out there to a customer's house and you're selling self-consumption, already be thinking, customer, provide me with proposed location number one, proposed location number two. As you may already know, these things require certain clearances, but from our design perspective, it's pretty straightforward. We're not having to worry about relocating loads, uh, backing up larger loads and what the ESS can handle or any um, load shedding device to be acquired. It's just straightforward. You look at the uh, mounting plane, make sure you can install, make sure the structure is uh, structurally sound. Then you look at the placement of the equipment, make sure there's no violation of clearances and or required setbacks. Once that's confirmed, you look at the overall um, ESS location, make sure it's not within the fire department required clearances and or ventilation hatches. Once that's done, you're ready to submit. The AJs have already took this into account, so they've streamlined their permitting process as well. For self-consumption, you can get a permit fairly quickly, Versus doing the partial home and backup, uh, full home backup, they have to do a little bit more plan check that's involved there. But for the most part, PV and subconsumption are fairly similar, and you should be able to get similar timelines. That's great. It's really just hanging one extra box on the wall, right? Correct. 
Hey, Scott, a sales question from the sales teams. When you're building a system and engineering a system with a battery, what is your perfect situation? Like, I know back in the day, like a solar array on one mounting plane facing 180 degrees, comp shingle, super easy, right? Like, what's your super easy with battery? How does that look in your world? So if you wanted things to be done as quickly as possible, engineer just looks at it and goes, oh, this is a snap, click, and you're done. What's that look like to you? Yeah, so what that will look at is basically knowing where everything is at, right? How do you build a home? You start with the foundation. So if the sales rep is already saying, hey, I want to make this the fast and easiest experience for you as possible, let's cross out all the check boxes, right? One, do you have unpermitted structures? Do you have any unpermitted work? That can stop the whole show. If you're able to confirm all these items before it gets to us, then guess what? Our work is already done. All we got to do is make sure the intricate drawings are created, make sure the structure is, is uh, adequate, the electrical is going to work, and we're ready to submit. One of the biggest hurdles that we have is verbal um, adders or promises where a customer gets, you know, into signing the contract. Oh, I don't want to sign. Oh, but I'll give you a 240-volt adder. Or I'll give you, you can have all the modules on the back of the house. Or you can do this or that, right? That really puts a monkey wrench into our whole process. If you can say, hey, all these already been checked out. You have nothing to worry about. The customer is not going to disagree with your layout. The customer is not going to disagree with your equipment placement. That'll be ideal. Where everybody's on the same page, speaking the same language, and nobody has any, oh, I didn't know that. I wasn't aware of that. No, no, no. Everybody's aware. We told you from the get-go, this is the foundation which we build upon. Yeah, and we've we've touched on that in uh, some previous episodes, the importance of the walk around, right? Like making sure that you have those check-ins with the homeowner and you say, hey, well, hey, let's let's take a look outside real quick because this is where you got the best roof exposure. This is probably, you know, you got near your main panels is probably where the the uh, inverter and the battery is going to go. Um, and and you mentioned it, Scott, like two, 240 volt outlet. If the homeowner is going to get their own EV charger, where is that going to go? Make sure that you knock that out. You know, that's that's a big one that's coming up a lot, right? Not just the location of the outlet, but also the rating. If we're having to do a D-rate on the main panel to make the back feet work, how do you justify that if you don't have the rating of the new loads? Let's say we derate your customer's main breaker. They go and add a 240-volt outlet for their EV, and then they call you saying, hey, this thing is tripping. Everything is not working. What's going on? Well, mind you, we did a low calculation for a 240-volt outlet you never told us about. That's good. Scott, in your opinion, where's the best place for battery and storage? Like in the garage, outside? Where, where, what do you, for engineering, from your point of view, like what's ideal for you guys? So ideal for me personally, I would have it in a detached garage or detached structure, right? But the second would be, I would have it inside of an attached garage or tax structure. The only caveat to that is that some of the HJs are not privy to all the certifications the batteries have. For example, UL9540A says that if you have an ESS unit that is certified for that rating and it has large-scale fire testing, then you can get the units closer to each other or you can install them in certain areas where you couldn't install the ones that are not certified to that rating, right? So one of the things is if you want to be able to streamline everything and not have any issues, then I will place it outside with proper clearances, not in the sun, 
Mm-hmm. You know, and then that way things can move forward fast. But if it was my house and I was making a decision and I had a detached structure, then best believe I'm putting it in the detached structure, you know? <laughs> Let's say it is your house, right? Um, what is the necessary clearance that you're talking about? How much wall space do we need? Yeah, so it's very simple. One of the things is that they think about is say, God forbid that it, it does catch on fire, is the smoke ventilation. Where is all that smoke going to go? So if you think about it, that it goes up. If the smoke goes up, it cannot be under a vent. It cannot be under a window. It cannot be anywhere where the smoke is going to go in the house. Um, another thing is if there's gas, it cannot be anywhere around gas. If there's like an AC uh, unit, it cannot be around the AC. Unit. It needs to have proper clearance. And it's either three or five feet, depending on the jurisdiction. But if you just think about the actual battery looking at it and you have a, you know, three feet uh, around it, it should be fine. Most homes have a large setback, have a large area where there's really nothing there. So it is installable there. We just got to remember windows, hatches, ventilation, or dryer exhaust vents, stuff like that. We just got to be careful and make sure that we're away from those three to five feet. Yeah. Okay. So three to five feet on each side. So is that like a total of six feet? So no, no. So the five feet will be on the side. Let's say you have a entrance to a garage or a large window where the um, kitchen is or something. You don't want to have five feet from there because they're going to be able to access the door and or window. But if it's located, let's say a gas is three feet. Other obstructions, let's say you have a crawl space. If you have a crawl space, you have to be away from that as well because if the battery catches fire, it can possibly go into the house. So depending on the jurisdictions, it comes into play the five feet. But more importantly, if you do the three feet, you should be uh, more than likely good to go. Not to be the bad guy, but San Francisco, like those houses are all joined together. You don't have setbacks. You can install a battery outside, right? So just mind you, get on the same page. If you're selling a battery somewhere like that, you got to get in the garage. You got to give us proper pictures. Be, and, and Be aware and of the space. Hey, yeah. There's no way you're going to install it outside. Dude. Outside is your neighbor, you know, like next door is your neighbor. <laughs> that makes sense. But it's literally in the front of the battery, which is called working clearance. The sides of the battery are not for, for the actual ventilation of the battery when it's operating. That's more when it's something bad happens, right? That's why you need the three feet, the five feet. If it was um, based on the ventilation of when it's operating, that's eight inches. And, you know, that that's a total difference, right? So you can technically put two batteries together or put them side by side, eight inches apart. But the difference comes into play when you have the battery where it's close to somewhere where it can possibly get into the home, into the ventilation, into the AC. You know, the reason it's five feet from the AC, because as you already know, it's pulling in air, you know, so you don't want it to pull in all that toxic air. That makes sense. And this is all, of course, talking worst case scenario. These batteries are very, very safe. Yeah, I mean, we we never say the F word. Yeah, we never say the F word because it's never going to happen. And if it does happen, the unit is sealed, is basically sealed, and that's how they get their rating. So what you got to remember is UL9540A says, hey, if one battery sets fire here, is it going to burn the other battery? And it says, no, it's it's not. It's more likely not going to propagate to the next battery. Yeah, good. Right. So essentially, it's hermetically sealed. Everything's going to be inside. And it has a suppression device to be able to calm it down. But yeah. Hermetically sealed. Yes. Smoothest experience possible is checking all the check marks. No permitted structures. Do I have clearance? Does the customer agree with the location? 
there's nothing else for me to do. I just submitted the permit. You already nice. answered all my questions. <laughs> nice. I love it. Yeah, that's great. We uh, we kind of touched on something. I think we really should emphasize. What if it was your house that we're putting it on? We really are going to treat every single one of these projects as if it's our house. We're not just going into it like, yeah, slap them here, slap them there, get out of there. All right, on to the next. Like every single one of these we recognize is somebody's most important investment of their life, probably is is their home. Yeah. That's, you know, you, you got to have that, that roof over your head. And we're just putting that roof to work for you. And in this case, with batteries, putting the wall space to work for you. <laughs> you know, what, what did that ever do for you? Now it's saving you money. That's great. And I think we sort of, we chatted about this a little bit, uh, Scott, the other day, when, when we're designing what's the hierarchy that we're going for. Like, I know a lot of people are concerned about, oh, is it going to look ugly in my roof? Oh, is it going to do what you say it's going to do? Is it going to produce enough? So what? How, how do you guys rank that in order of uh, in order of everything? Absolutely. Thank you for that. And 100% I agree with what you're saying. Every system we design it as if it was our house. But, you know, as you may already know, not all structures have detached garages and stuff. But yeah. <laughs> the hierarchy to be... You know, we go from production because that's what we're promising to sell you. We're, we're selling production here. We want you to offset your bill. The second part is the requirements from the AHJ. Are, are you going to be able to pass your final inspection, right? So there were clearances, you know, make sure that their the fire department can safely uh, ventilate your home if something were to happen and or if they can safely navigate the roof. So it's going to be production, safety, and our AJ requirements. And then the last one's going to be aesthetically pleasing, right? We want to make it as symmetrical as possible. We want you to look at it and be happy with your system. But if you have like a bunch of obstructions and then the AJ is asking you to do this, that, and the other, then at that point, it makes it a little bit difficult. But for the most part, nine times out of 10, we're doing symmetrical uh, systems based on first production, getting you the south mounting planes, west or east, depending on the site, and then um, giving you the guarantee that you're going to get final PTO, which means you're going to pass your final inspection. Getting getting the maximum bang for your buck, making sure it's safe and checks all the checks all the fire code clearances and HJ permits, and then and then it's going to look good and you're going to be happy. At, I love it. Hundred percent. Scott, how soon do you think the homeowner should make that wall space? Like, let's say they're how is looks like a hoarder right we know how we all keep things in the garage and he's like no i want it over here but i got to move things how soon in the game should he make that happen you know if if you want to show us that you're serious i would say as soon as the guy leaves hey i'm gonna start moving this stuff around because what we want is the proof what we're gonna ask for is hey the customer and the sales rep agreed that the battery is going to go here, but now where's the proof? We can't move forward to schedule it until we have the proof. So what I would say, the faster that the homeowner can give us that picture to say, hey, this is what we agreed upon, and then here's the picture. The proof is in the pudding, right? We don't have to wait. Say, hey, provide us proof that the customer actually moved all the stuff, relocated the plumbing pipe, relocated whatever, you know? That's the biggest thing, right? How much do you want it? If it was me, I, I would do it when the guy's there. You want me to move this? This is what you want me to move? Okay, I'm moving already. It's done. But we we can't control that part. But that's one of the major things that really holds us up. If, you know, everybody's on the same page, but the customer's not even aware he has to do something, it kind of throws things into a little curveball. You know, it says, hey, you were aware. You, you didn't follow through. Now we're here. The installer's on site. We can't install and then the biggest thing is we leave notes for our team to say, hey, don't schedule it until you can confirm X, Y, and Z. Yeah. If we're saying, hey, this is a possible violation, we will not pass final inspection. The last thing we want to do is slap modules up there and be on hold until the customer fixes their issue. 
the worst thing we could do is say, yeah, everybody talked about it, but nothing was done. You know, <laughs> I, I understand that for sure. Yeah. So I think like, again, doing that walkthrough, setting those expectations with the homeowner, having those chats like, okay, here's the best place for your batteries, but you got a big old pile of, you know, plywood that you, you didn't finish, you know, moving or whatever project you had going on or something like that. Or yeah, we got the, we got the inside garage space, but we got all the grandma's, you know, moving boxes in there from a few years. So make those calls, make those decisions early with the homeowner, confirm them. Cause then when we come on site for the site inspection, we're going to be documenting everything. We're going to be taking pictures. And if we see all those boxes, if we see grandma's attic stuff still, it, it gotta be gone by the next time we show up. Cause that, that's uh that's gonna slow everybody down and and not create a good experience before we get off the topic one of the things is while you're talking to the homeowner saying hey we need to get this moved tell them how big the battery is hey the battery is 30 inches hey the battery is gonna need three feet in the front the battery is gonna need five feet or you know 10 feet whatever learn your product and then tell the customer hey this is how big the battery is like yep. let's let's be on the same page. One of the biggest things is, hey, be upfront. If the customer has unpermitted work, possibly they can remove all that stuff before it becomes an issue. Let's work together to fix it. You don't want to put the customer in a bad situation. Be honest with them. Say, hey, this is going to be an issue. You need to let me know now. Otherwise, right. we're going to be two months down the road and we're going to be having the same conversation, but a different way. Yeah, we we touched on that a little bit. Like there are going to be certain areas, certain uh, HJs, certainly, and also some cities where you're just going to run into more unpermitted structures more often. And so know what to look for. Know if you're in an area where that's kind of higher likelihood that some of that might be going on and set those expectations up front. Either make sure you can fix it or walk away and come back later after it's fixed. Like don't, don't, set the wrong wheels in motion so that it's ugly four months from now you know make sure that you get you, you can you gotta have those tough conversations you gotta know when to when to hold them and when to fold them as they say you know like we can't we can't just be throwing everything at the wall and hope it sticks and uh, you know, oh yeah someday it'll get through permitting with the city because uh whoever's obligation got fulfilled generally speaking it's it's something that the homeowner can fix by it might be more involved it might be paperwork i don't know what you fill me in here scott <laughs> yeah so depending on the jurisdiction they can come down on them hard mm -hmm. um some jurisdictions will just look the other way say yeah it's been here 20 years i'm not worried about it other jurisdictions can stop the whole show say look you're going to get a lien on your house. You're going to get this done to you. You need to demo the structure. So at that point, we need to understand, okay, if you're selling in these jurisdictions, these jurisdictions don't play. Knowing the areas where you're selling, right? So if you're selling like in Corona and Riverside County, those areas, they don't play around. You have any unpermitted work, they're going to find out about it and they're going to let you know and you're going to either fix it or you're going to stop the job or demo the structure, whatever that might be. Unpermitted structures come in many forms. It cannot just be additions to the house. It cannot just be a shed. It cannot just be a garage. There are also warehouses. So a lot of people are purchasing these warehouses that are made out of like uh, corrugated steel and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So just mind you, it has to have a permit. It has to come from somewhere. They didn't just magically drop the thing from a helicopter. A lot of the customers are thinking that because they spoke to the person who sold it to them, that a permit is not required, but that's not the case. 
A lot of these people are just trying to make money and building structures and they're not even licensed. So what you got to remember is if you have a structure, it's fairly new. It might be unpermitted. We don't know. So just ask the customer, hey, that's a nice structure. Do you have a permit for it? Can you have a blueprints? Can you share it? We, we're going to mention it on our plan set because the AJ requires you to call out every structure on the property. They want to know what it is and if it has electrical or not. We get customers tell us, hey, the, the, the sales rep said it was okay. He said, I want to have a problem. He said, he'll fix it. That's the worst thing that we can be selling these customers, that we can fix it. It's not going to be a problem because we don't know. And for damn sure, we can't fix it. I can see that putting you in a tough position. So just one more thing about unpermitted structures. What will you do if you see an unpermitted structure that looks like it might affect the job? Will you put the job on hold? In which case, will it be visible to the sales rep? And what's the communication like there? So essentially what we would do if we identify a structure that's unpermitted and it lives in a jurisdiction where the um, jurisdiction is not fond of unpermitted structures, it'll stop the whole roadshow. We would design the plan. We will say, hey, we're going to call out the plan as being unpermitted and under a separate permit because the customer has the ability to either bring it to permit or demo it. We at Design and Engineering can only do Design and Engineering. We do plans. So now this is where the situation comes into play. We say, hey, this job is going to be on hold until this structure is going to be either corrected and or demoed or removed. The sales rep will then talk to the customer, say, hey, you have found an unpermitted structure. What are you going to do with it? On behalf of ESP, though, I have seen where we've been proactive, right? Typically, what I see is we catch it at acceptance prior to getting to that design phase. So, you know, I don't think we open the can of worms too quick, too often. We're on top of our game in that aspect. So should Mm -hmm. the owner be nervous, right, about submitting a job? I would say it's those instances where the homeowner bought the home like that, right? They say, hey, I bought the home like that. Everything's permitted. Right. They, they're, they're, they're unaware of the situation, right? Or it's other times where like the customer's like, I'm going to try to get past by a good one. If I permit this, this is going to be permitted automatically. Yeah. We've seen customers both ways. They want to try to get it permitted. They say, hey, if I get the solar permitted, this is going to mean that this is actually uh, legit now. It's code, it's code enforceable, whatever. That's not the case, right? The solar is a solar. The addition is the addition. The home is the home. Like all that gets checked separately. Yeah, you are correct. Acceptance is cashing most majority of these jobs, but it is the one-off where the customer's not aware, the customer's trying to pull a fast one. And at that point, set proper expectations. We don't want any worms coming out this can. So customer, are you aware of any unpermitted structures? Please be as honest as you can right now for all of our benefit or to all of our detriment, we're going to have some problems in the future. So right now is the time. It's true. It's it, We've kind of touched on that a couple of times. It's like so, solar is great. Solar is an awesome solution. It is not a panacea. It's not going to cure all of your woes on your property, right? Exactly. Just because we're doing just because we're doing a main panel upgrade doesn't mean that the electrical wiring to your toaster is going to magically stop shorting out when you, you know, exactly. when you wake up in the morning. So, yeah. Yes. Set proper expectations and you won't have another pissed off customer ever again. They'll give you the best reviews. Say, hey, this guy was so upfront with me. He gave me everything from the beginning. I felt comfortable and I, I was um given the knowledge and able to make the right decision. That's what we want from you. That's what we want for you. You oh, know, no. we, we got to work together to make that happen. 
So Scott, what I'm hearing is in the engineering world, you guys hate unpermitted structures. You guys want to know what's going on on someone's property before you start to work on it. I love that you're you're leaning into this because I agree. I think it's super important to be upfront and find out as much information from the jump when you're on site. You know, if you've got a family of five living in the garage and there's plumbing and there's overhead electrical running from the house with dangling wires hanging from in between the garage and the in the corner of the house, that's dangerous. It's illegal. And sometimes it's going to stop solar from being built because the the inspectors are going to be like, "Eh, eh, eh, can't do that. You know, in other places, too, like sometimes it's not that big of a deal if you don't build on the area that is unpermitted, but it also has to be kosher, right? It can't be egregious and, and out of control. You can't have like a, you know, I, I, I know one of this only through experience, like someone did a main panel upgrade with an unlicensed electrician, and then they built a patio cover over the top of it. And it was next to a bay window and it was above a gas line and a water spigot. And so it just, all the boxes were checked of this being the wrong thing, the exact Uh, thing that somebody doesn't want and the city doesn't want. And so there's leeway there, but I, I really, I love that you lean into this so that everybody listening right now, it's, it's important to know. And you know what? Los Angeles is our backyard, right? SoCal is our backyard and our houses have been here for a long time and people have done some crazy things on their properties. My grandparents, I mean, it happened to them. They had solar put in, I think like, I don't know, at this point it's 15 years ago by a hobbyist. Like it was (laughs) a guy at the local college who was like, oh yeah, I'll put up some panels for you. And so, you know, years, years later, flash forward, they go to sell the house. Not only was the solar not, not totally like, you know, uh, official, but the entire (laughs) part of the house that they put it on, like the, the inspector came out and was like, that's interesting. I didn't think there would be this entire like extended area like out of the out of the. You kitchen. have a second story. You have you have much more <laughs> square footage on your house than the original plan set shows. So like it happens all over the place. But no, I think um, I do want to definitely put together like a checklist for reps of these are unfavorable project characteristics that could hit hit a DQ or hit a slowdown, you know, like those are those are absolutely the type of things. That's why we're doing this podcast, right? But yeah, the good, the bad and the ugly. Absolutely. Yeah, Andy, to go off of your point, you said something beautiful to me, which is a spark, beautiful sparkles in my head there. Um, <laughs> the MSP being located inside of a, a structure or storage. Yeah. Or a patio. So just everybody, whoever's listening to this, as you may already know, the utility requires 24-hour access. If there was anything to happen to a homeowner, they need to be able to pull that meter to isolate the home and make it safe. If we understand that, and there was an MSP that was built on top of, there was a patio and they converted it to a structure. Mm-hmm. So now you have an enclosed main service panel. 10 times out of 10, you yeah. need to relocate this job. We need to get that panel, get it outside. So just mind you, set the proper expectations, timelines, cost, and then also walk around and see, hey, is there even a place to put the panel? Because mind you, they might have left it inside because when they built the uh, unpermitted structure, maybe there is nothing else to put it in. Maybe there's all full of windows. Mm. So 
know what you're looking at, identify it and say, hey, I already know meters require 24-hour access because that guy on that podcast said so. So if meters require 24-hour <laughs> access, if you see a main service panel inside of a converted structure that's covered, 10 times out of 10, you're going to relocate it, that's have a, a lot of cost. Yeah. You need to find a new location of the main panel. Possibly there isn't anyone because they extended it and everything's unpermitted. As you already know, you can't put a, a MSP on an unpermitted structure. But when you said that, it just, it rings so true. Yeah. Use the knowledge that you have. You know that they require access. You see that it's enclosed. Oh, Mr. Customer, you enclosed this patio, didn't you? Oh, yes, you did. You write all your notes. You see, you identify, and you relay. Once we get that information, set your set yourself up for proper expectations. Say, hey, I already know. I'm going to give them this job, and it might cancel. Or they might come back with a, a large main service panel um, adder. Whatever it is, just don't be surprised because you already know these things. You know what's going on. You know what's required. And you know what we're going to get to, right? We need to get to a place where we can pass final inspection. Scott, so you get to that point where you become a tenured rep and you run into those issues that, like Andy was discussing, and then you learn from it, right? Well, let's say I am one of those tenured reps. What steps could I take to ensure that ESP knows exactly what me and the homeowner are wanting, right, for the design? Can we tell you where the panels are going, where we want the battery, and what should we do to do that? Yeah, 100%. The biggest thing is, like I told you earlier, was building a foundation. So if you say, hey, this customer, he doesn't want to see panels in the front of the house. Set yourself up for proper expectations. You already know you're not going to have a lot of production. Tell the customer, hey, you want them on the north roof, on the east and west roof, you're not going to have a lot of production. So as long as we're, we're on the same page with that, we have no problem doing that. Sometimes the information doesn't reach us. So what I would say is, Try to put that information on multiple avenues of communication. Make notes, send an email, send a Slack, whatever it is, multiple forms of communication saying the same thing so we don't miss it. We've had a, a few times where we're giving the customer the layout, like, nah, I, nobody's listening to me. Why aren't you guys giving me the layout that I asked for? That does not feel good. Doesn't feel good for you. Doesn't feel good for us. It's not that hard to say, hey, the customer wants it in the back. The customer wants it in the front, you know? Tell us what they want. Tell us on multiple avenues of communication. That way we won't we won't miss it. The other thing is the battery, the equipment. So if you already tell the customer, hey, you want it in your in the garage, we're gonna have multiple equipment now. You're gonna have an inverter and a disconnect. The inverter is this big, the disconnect is this big. It requires this clearance, so you can't put it there, you can't put it there. This is about the only two places you can put it. Tell customer, tell a designer, hey, option one, north wall. Option two, east wall. Outside, the first option, east mounting plane. Second option, west mounting plane. Copy that, paste, paste, paste. Every, every avenue of communication you have, send it. Now you have nothing to worry about because best believe somebody's going to read that note and say, hey, design, I'm not sure if you know, but the guy wants this. We're going to be like, yes, thank you so much. We also heard it from this person. We also heard it from that person. <laughs> We're on the same page. I, I think what I heard <laughs> is that <laughs> chat is the best form of communication and and using a visual aid, I think, is always best. So if you have a photo with your finger or circling the, the wall that you wanted on within the garage, that would be best. And then they can share it with your team, right? They being ESP chat will go to the design team and say, hey, 
this is what the homeowner was expecting. So so pull up that chat on your phone because you can do it on our website, mobile version, and then just take that picture point. I, I love that, Brandon. Just your finger in frame pointing right here. Here it is. This is what we're talking about. I love that. So what you're saying is over communication on anything that is requested of any homeowner, over communicate both from the rep to ESP before the site survey. So the site surveyor can say, hey, this wall is clear and this is where the homeowner wants it. Or this garage area is open and they don't have a bunch of, you know, costume, Halloween costume boxes and Christmas lights and everything stacked up in the area where they're like, I want them right there. Yeah, let us know early and often as to what the homeowner is looking for. Over communicate that message in the first welcome call you know, when you're doing, when you're setting up the site survey and then followed up with chat, just like Brandon said, I think that's a great idea. And if you wanted to make sure that something was going to happen, say it once, say it twice, say it three times, make sure that everybody knows what the heck is going on or what is requested. And if it's even possible, right? Because who knows, you know, I've heard customers say some ridiculous things like, I want to put the panels hanging on the side of my house. I don't want them on the roof. And I'm like, well, sorry. That's not possible. But yeah, I think that's a really good point, Scott. And thank you for bringing that up. It's a good one. Over-communicate. It's going to make everybody's life easier for sure. Yeah, well, and and I think that that kind of goes back to the the overall idea of like, we're great at what we do, but don't give us the ugly stuff. Like we, we can do whatever it takes to get the homeowner solar, but the better experience is going to be ones where we don't have to jump through the hardest, you know, hoops of the worst AHJ to work with in the entire state and have, you know, nine different add-ons to the system, right? Like give us, give us the easy stuff. Cause that makes you the most money fastest when we can do our job the fastest. We, we want to do it all, but don't give us just ugly scraps off the side of the table, right? Give us the buffet of options to choose which ones we can tackle the easiest. I think we've covered a good amount and really just reinforced, you know, hey, communicate, over communicate, something that we love here. Just try and give us the best possible outcome for a homeowner, even regardless of the scope of work involved. Design's going to do a great job. You guys are are awesome professionals and, and know how to get something. So it's going to work the best, pass all the check marks and and then look the best. And I mean, what more could you ask for, right? Yeah, I think a key key thing here too with NEM 3.0 at top of mind for engineering and construction of PV or solar and batteries or solar and storage is over communicate key takeaway. I think discovery questions are even more important than ever before of asking the right questions from the jump while you're in the home of, you know, where do you want the equipment? This is where it's going to go sharing that information with your installer with esp those are the some super important takeaways from from anything moving forward also what's really cool too is i think battery companies they've got tons of stock they've got a lot of stuff so procurement's not going to be an issue that's going to make sure that jobs are installed as fast as possible some cities are better than others as far as their timelines and permitting Um, if you're working with esp then you're lucky enough to know that we're going to get you a list of those cities that do go a lot faster than others because we collect that data on a regular basis. So 
some good stuff here. Scott, thank you so much, dude, for jumping on and sharing. What else you got for us before we wrap it up? Really important. You know, when you're looking at a job, we want to make sure that it makes you money. It makes us money. One of the big things that we deal with a lot is condos. The amount of work and liability that goes into those typically is just out of the question sometimes. So just look at it in detail, understand what's involved and what possibly you're going to get out of it. Sometimes we see condos with like eight module jobs and they're going like 300 feet. The copper wire alone is going to offset the cost of those modules, you know. So, right. you know, just mind you, stick with single family. Box. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time, guys. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Likewise. That's going to do it for design. Coming up next is permitting. We might even just throw in a couple extra mini bonus odes for you. Stay tuned for those. Follow us on social media. If you have any topics you'd like us to discuss, drop them my way at marketing at joinesp. See you then. The views expressed herein may or may not represent the views of Energy Service Partners Incorporated, its ownership, management, affiliates, or subsidiaries. No construction project is guaranteed to be free from errors at any stage, and nothing contained in this recording should be taken to imply otherwise.